On this week's Wealth Track, maximizing your after-tax returns. This week's guests are focused on helping us keep those gains and not losing them to Uncle Sam. Parametrics Brian Langstrad and Dynasty Financial Partner Scott Welsh are next on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective, Rosalind P. Walter, and the Fairholme Foundation. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. Founding father Benjamin Franklin told us that in this world, nothing is certain but death and taxes. What he didn't add was that one of them is somewhat within our control. And I'm not talking about finding the fountain of youth. I am talking about our tax bill. We spend most of our time at Wealth Track focusing on building pre-tax wealth. We talk to top-performing fund managers and highly regarded financial advisors, but we have rarely focused on after-tax returns. Neither does the financial services industry. Well, this week we are going to rectify that. As one of this week's guests told me, you can't eat pre-tax returns. Taxes take a huge bite out of investment returns, an estimated 1% to 3% annually, higher than most management fees, and more than the performance returns, or alpha, that active managers hope to deliver above the market year after year. The main culprit is trading, especially that generates highly taxed short-term capital gains, which is why low turnover portfolios, particularly passive index funds, have such a performance advantage. But taxes are a cost that we can influence. This week's guests are experts in tax advantage investing, among other wealth-building strategies. Brian Langstrad is the CEO of Parametric, a global asset management firm with about $180 billion of assets under management. More than $50 billion of that is in tax advantage investing strategies. Founded in 1987, it describes itself as providing engineered portfolio solutions to institutional and private clients. It constructs customized strategies to meet specific risk management, tax management, and return objectives. Parametric is a subsidiary of Eaton Vance and runs several mutual funds for them, including its tax-managed international equity fund and tax-managed emerging markets fund. Scott Welsh is the chief investment officer of Dynasty Financial Partners, which provides investment research, portfolio management, technology, and practice management solutions to financial advisors and advisory teams. In that capacity, advice on optimizing tax consequences is near the top of his list. Welsh is on the board of several industry groups, including the IMCA and the editorial advisory board of the Journal of Wealth Management. I began the discussion by asking them why managing the tax consequences of a portfolio is so important. On a basic level, it's just because taxes can cost you so much. I think people often don't understand, while there's so much focus on fees and risk, the taxes in an investment portfolio are often the largest cost an investor faces. So the, this, the sheer size and, and impact that taxation has on investment portfolios warrants close, close looking at it. And when you're talking, Scott, mm-hmm. to, to financial advisors, right. 
Are they aware of that, of, of how big a deal taxes can be? I, I think most of them are. I think the challenge really is uh, it can be hard to do mm -hmm. at, the, at, at scale when you're trying to run your practice. Right. Uh, we can talk more about that. But uh, what I try to tell them is uh, the two things that an advisor has control over are fees and taxes. They can't control the market. They, don't, they can't control sort of what's going to happen in the market. But what they can control is fees and taxes. They spend a lot of time on fees, and they don't necessarily spend as much time on taxes as they should. And, and why isn't there the emphasis on taxes? If you look back to the way this industry was formed, it formed in the tax-exempt community. Yeah. So institutional investors, yeah. yes. they don't pay taxes, and, right? And you know, so, so the, the infrastructure, the performance reporting, the manager structures, even the asset allocation came out of a tax-exempt world. The second thing is, it's not totally easy to do. It's not, you have to spend some time and understand and think about comparisons. Uh, a great deal of understanding can be gained quickly, but the industry just hasn't had that as a focus. And, and when you're talking about comparisons, what do you mean? Pre-tax yeah. performance versus return versus after-tax? You have to uh, you know, kind of accept the fact that a given strategy, your after-tax return may be different than my after-tax return. In pre-tax terms, that's not true. It's quite likely that in a given strategy, if we're investing, our pre-tax look identical. But because of tax rates, cost basis, holding period, th there can be differences between investors. Um, and advisors have a real role to play in, in helping to add value and understanding that. Yeah. And, and you know, Scott, so when, when you're talking to advisors, basically, and, and you're focusing with them on, on the tax consequences and, and what kind of construction of portfolios mm -hmm. that they should do, with their clients, you know, what are some of the basic things that you're telling them that they should be doing? Yeah, I think the way that I think about it, perhaps a little simplistically, is there's sort of three layers of things that you can do to improve the tax effectiveness or tax sensitivity of a portfolio. The first thing is what the industry refers to as asset location. In other words, putting different kinds of investment vehicles in different kinds of legal structures, be they trusts or tax deferred accounts or 401ks or whatever, to um, optimize the tax consequences there. So that, that is probably the single most important thing that you can do. And, and even as an investment professional, I admit readily that good tax planning will beat good investment planning every day of the week. Right, so and, that, and, and just, know. let me just start here. So, you know, it's, it's simple to you to your pros, but when you say tax location, so for instance, bonds should be, because they pay interest and interest is, Tax, tax at, at ordinary your, rate. Right, at your rate, then they should be in, in a, a tax-deferred tax account. account. Exactly. Right. That's, a, that's, the, that's the most sort of primer, uh, prime right. example. And so, so all of us who have had, you know, 401ks and IRAs who have been putting equities in them, it, I mean, is, is that we probably shouldn't be doing that? Well, or it, It's not a question of shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. It's just a question of thinking about what are the tax, tax consequences of where that particular investment is. Right. Right. And so... There's nothing wrong with putting equity in a, in a tax-deferred account, but from a purely tax perspective, putting a, a taxable bond in there gives you the most tax advantage. Okay. The second is what I'll, I'll refer to as sort of portfolio implementation. And that's the kind of uh, structures that you use in terms of actually putting your investments to work. Right? So if you have a SM, an SMA, a separately managed account versus a mutual fund, that could be a tax advantage because you, have, you actually own the individual securities in an SMA versus just owning a share of the fund. So that's, a, that's an example, a simple example of, uh, of structural, uh, sort of the tools that you pick to use to implement your investment strategy. So that's the second layer. And then the third layer 
uh, and probably the third most important is the actual investment itself. Mm -hmm. So th that's where you get into the discussion about ETFs and index funds, tax managed index funds. So the actual specific MLPs, for example, where Master all of, limited partnerships. Yeah, Master limited mm -hmm. partnerships, all of which have different tax consequences and can help to improve the, the tax efficiency of a portfolio. And, and Brian, where does parametric come in? I mean, the, the, one of the biggest areas that we find value and where we can help investors is when, and they often come into this, is this choice of active versus passive. You know, and we all know that uh, index-based investing is really growing and for a lot of great reasons. And when people think about index-based investing versus active, when they actually consider it after taxes, it becomes even more interesting to allocate to an index-based strategy. And that is because, just to give They're us They're naturally obvious. broadly diversified. They have low inherent levels of turnover, so they have low inherent levels of capital gain realization. Mm -hmm. You can buy and hold them mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and achieve most of the market's return without giving back to taxes. What we've done at Parametric, and because we think people do and should allocate a, a large allocation of their portfolio to, index-based strategies, you think it makes great sense, is see if we can take that index-based strategy and make it even more tax efficient. And let me rewind there yeah. because, you know, why do you think that most individuals should have a, a large proportion of their investable assets in index funds? Yeah, there's lots of reasons and I think we could hit any dimension. First mm -hmm. of all, everybody's going to have an allocation to the market, to the broad U.S. market, broad world equity market. Most investors should. And then you have to think, well, how do I want to do that? Well, I want to capture that market exposure, what investors call beta, as inexpensively as I can with something that doesn't need to change, as broad as exposure. And that's before I've thought about taxes. There I've captured my market exposure. That's a real driver of my return. And I've minimized my taxes. And I've got a structure that I don't have to mess with. So it's easier. Yeah. I, and there's a reason for not wanting to mess with it, too. Behavioral finance comes yeah. in, right? I mean, is Absolutely. that part of this decision as well? well? I think that there's, there's another aspect of it as yeah. well, which is active management's hard. Right. Right. And so it's very difficult to beat a passive benchmark consistently over long periods of time. And so I call it getting your biggest bang for your buck in terms of your fees. Where do I want to pay active management fees? I don't want to pay them where I'm going to get an index-like return and net fees maybe less than an index-like return. So I'd rather use a passive strategy there um, and then try to try to find other strategies that I'm, that I'm willing to pay more for mm -hmm. that I think can actually deliver better performance. Okay, so, so, so to, yeah. to go back to the, the, what Scott had been talking about earlier, kind of the three steps that you take. Yeah, so we really focus on that portfolio structure. Okay, right. so you think about if you have an index exposure and you surrounded it with quality satellites, that index exposure is the majority of what you have in the market. And if you, can, if you have it in a separately managed account, and Scott mentioned a little bit of this, you open up the world for customization. And customization means, in a tax perspective, that the manager can manage it to your cost basis, to your tax rate, can harvest losses, actually seek out when they happen in a diversified portfolio, they're inevitable, actually realize that loss and use it elsewhere in your portfolio to shield gains and increase your tax efficiency. Maybe they can get involved in when you have a giving plan and you want to give securities to a charity, they can identify the most tax advantageous securities. So that structure of a separately managed account combined with the index approach creates a lot of after-tax power and something you know, most investors should consider. And, and this yeah. is something, obviously, the parametric is right. one of your specialties. That's right. And that these customized, these, special, uh, these separately managed accounts 
but it, those are also primarily for high net worth individuals. That's right. Correct. Yeah. So you're talking with financial advisors who maybe aren't deal, don't make the right. parametric yep. cut. Yep. Uh, the separately managed account, uh, you know, vehicle. How does how does that work? How can you apply it to? individuals who aren't high net worth individuals. Well, it's, it's not quite as customizable, but that's, I, I think that's where ETFs can play a huge role, uh -huh. right? Because you, you get that broad market exposure that, that uh, Brian talked about, but because it's treated like a security, if you hold it, you can get capital gains treatment on it, right? So you're generating gains in that, in that along the way, but you don't have to realize those gains until you actually sell out of that ETF. So if, if you're holding it as a core position, like Brian suggested, you can get um, tax, I won't call it tax deferral, but you get um, better tax treatment on it when you eventually begin to liquidate it. So from our perspective, we're talking to an advisor up to a certain amount of a portfolio, we would recommend uh, an ETF or, an, or just a, an index fund. Mm -hmm. But once you got up to a size of a portfolio that would allow you to access a separately managed account, we would definitely recommend that that's the way you go. So if you're recommending an index fund or index funds, is the, the tax advantage is inherent in it being an index fund, but is there anything else that you can do as well to, uh, you know, to, to take advantage of? I think, I think you can absolutely. I yeah. think the concept of being aware of where your gains and losses are in a portfolio are important, even if you have a portfolio just of ETFs. Um, it's not as granular as mm -hmm. a separate account with all the securities in it, but if you have a broad-based portfolio of ETFs, uh, you can do loss harvesting. You can consider that you know, and, and, and swap one ETF out and put another one in and realize that loss, and that'll have a, a, an advantageous effect on your portfolio over time. But just setting it up, and I think this is important, just setting up that ETF portfolio as core with satellites around it will create a lot of, of benefits and efficiencies tax efficient before you get into what, you know, the high net worth separate account. That question also goes to that sort of that second layer that I talked about, this portfolio implementation. Right. Because part of what you can do as the advisor is set a rebalancing policy that you know, optimizes the tax efficiency of that portfolio. You can pick different kinds of ETFs um, that maybe give you more choices to buy and sell out of if you need to realize losses or harvest, harvest losses or something mm -hmm. like that. So that's yet another step that a lot of people aren't doing on a regular basis. And explain the harvesting concept. Well, it, it is a little bit counterintuitive because you're actually harvesting the losses. And losses yes. are bad. We don't want them. We don't seek them. But it's a recognition that if you build a broadly diversified portfolio, there are things going to go up and go down. Mm -hmm. Sectors are going to struggle, security names. And what people don't realize is that when a security falls below what you paid for it, that's an economic asset to you. You can choose. They do not realize that, yeah. Brian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah. Oh, this is a bad. Well, you now have something that yeah. you can do something with. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. And so, if you do this systematically, year after year, not just at the year end, but clean through your portfolio, you can have a meaningful impact on your after-tax experience over a long-term investor by using that loss harvesting technique to reduce your tax bill, to increase your after-tax return. And to get back some of that, we talked about taxes being the largest bite in your portfolio, you can get some of that back. Mm -hmm. Put it to work for you. This is an ongoing process. Yeah. I mean, Brian, you said it's not just at year end when yeah. everybody... No, and but, this is but, where but advisors so you're, you're can add real value. Yeah. You're constantly looking for opportunities, right? Yep. To, yeah. to book yeah. those losses, uh, to offset the you, gains. That's Yeah, and you don't necessarily know when those gains are coming. You may have them in, in your portfolio. The thing about a, a loss once it's booked in our tax code is that if you don't offset a gain with it this year, it'll carry forward. So mm -hmm. maybe you have a gain in the future. Mm -hmm. So you've in a sense warehoused it. I think 
the, uh, the, you know, and you can set up rules. And you should have a rule of thumb if you're doing this yourself. We certainly embed those in. You, you, you want to have a, realize a loss that's large enough it overcomes the value of it overcomes the transaction cost. And that wouldn't make friction. sense. Oh, I see. So what are the, what are the rules? Yeah. I mean, that would well, be one. Yeah, well, I don't know that you, you have to think about what are your transaction mm -hmm. costs, where mm -hmm. are you trading. But for example, when we screen through an index portfolio looking for losses, we're looking for a loss that is eight percent or larger relative. So if I bought it for a hundred dollars. It's got to kind of fall to 92. Now that's a rough rule of thumb mm -hmm. before we think, you know, the tax value of that, the transaction, the work to do it. So you don't want to be, you know, you, you want to have a process, not just in December, but through the year, that gives you a sense, okay, let, let's check into the portfolio and see if there's an opportunity. Yeah, I was just going to say, you've got to remember that it's an interesting point because forget about the taxes for just a second. Right. right? The, the, the intention is to give you, the investor, an index-like return. So you got to set those parameters at a, at a level where you don't track too far away from right. the index performance. Otherwise, you're not really, you're not having an index, right? Yeah. You're doing something different. And, and so let, let me ask you um, uh, at par parametric, because w what are the kinds of, uh, of the tax alpha, you call it, yeah. that, that I, I can get from this kind of tax management yeah. versus if I just held the index? Yeah, no, th that's, I mean, what, that's what, the crucial question. What should we question. expect? Yeah, right. because I started in, and, and you asked me what, why I could be concerned, and I said taxes matter. They're a big yes. bite. Well, the second core, why, why I could be concerned is you can do something. You can have a meaningful effect. We have done this for a long time. We started this strategy actually in 1992. Um, and over the years, we've seen, and it varies a little bit by the volatility in the market and the mm -hmm. tax rates, but you can see you know, 1% a year in after-tax outperformance, sometimes more than 1, 1.5% 1 a year in the performance of a customized tax-managed separate account versus the same after-tax performance in an ETF or a mutual fund. Now, what's interesting three is, is that's a heroic result. I mean, active managers who spend all their time and energy selecting the right stocks or timing the market, over time, if you can produce 100 to 150 basis points, one to one and a half percent. Right. You'll find yourself over the, the, over the, over the bogey, over the benchmark. You'll find right. yourself right at the top of your peers. Yeah, and yeah. The, I've known Brian and, and his firm for over 20 years, and I can I can vouch for that for that right. stated number. So, but the uh, the other interesting thing is is that this strategy seems to work best in either very volatile or down markets. I mean, I looked at the the figures from Parametric yeah. and, uh, for 2008 and 2009. Those were great years for this kind of a strategy. Why is that? A loss harvesting strategy takes advantage of volatility. That, you know, when stocks are going up and down, you can grab that loss. You're really creating that economic value, that asset you're warehousing. And when markets fall, you're going to warehouse more. Now, eventually you think, oh, well, I'm ever going to use these realized losses. Well, markets tend to recover and you do have capital gains again. So the amount of value from loss harvesting and from tax management does, as you indicate, vary by Volatility. The yes. more volatility in the market, the more, and the direction of the market. So if the market's straight up market, tax management's not going to add as much, but the investors who experience that aren't too dissatisfied because, look, they're getting everything they want from the market. So in down markets, then, you should be very active in, in harvesting your tax losses. Sure. Because, again, it carries over yeah. uh, year to year. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And it's okay. also it's really important to realize, I mean, the, the cliche is you can't eat pre-tax returns, right? So... So the pre-tax number, which is what the industry focuses on, is, is illusory. It, I mean, yeah, 12% looks like a great number, 10% looks like a great number, but that's not what the investor actually realizes once, because they, they, they don't realize anything until they sell it. Mm -hmm. And once they sell it, they have to pay taxes. So taxes are, is a real, it's real money in your pocket. Right? It's not just a, a number. 
And so if you can manage taxes better in, in, in any of the variety of ways we've talked about, you're actually putting real live dollars into your client's pocket. Mm -hmm. And from an advisor's perspective, like I said, that's one of the few things you can control. It is one of the most highest added value services you can provide. And it, you know, it's just something that we emphasize with our advisor base right. consistently. A, a couple of, of more questions. Each of you mentioned kind of these satellite positions right. in, with actively yeah. yeah. managed funds. Why bother? Yeah, well, look, there are a lot of talented managers out there. And there are a lot of strategies that can add value. They can be diversifying. They can mm -hmm. bring a different risk pro profile. They can, uh, they can you know, create a better overall experience. Um, that, the rather to have any satellites or not really comes down to, can you find some of those? Yes. Mm -hmm. When you're considering which active strategies to choose, yes. it makes a huge difference to, in understanding what's the tax bite or the tax drag. These are the terms that some people use for strategy Y versus strategy X. And how does that fit in my portfolio? And are there any rules of thumb for, for that? I mean, do you, you, would you avoid high turnover active managers like the plague or? Well, taxes comes into the equation, right? Right. But you have to start with the performance. Yes. Right. Yes. And then, and then the pre-tax performance. Yeah. If you, right. if, but if you have two managers that have comparable performance, then you would want to take right. a look at things like turnover and holdings and, right. you know, that sort of consistency and, and those sorts of things. So it's it, another, way, another way of thinking about it. Let's say I had one of these satellite investments that actually was very good at generating alpha mm -hmm. outperformance to the market, but was tax inefficient. Let's, let's mm -hmm. call it a hedge fund, right? Um, so that, that takes that illusory gain, like I talked about, and it makes right. it look not so attractive. But if I, Unless if, you put it in a tax-deferred account. Well, th that's right? another that, that goes to that portfolio implementation. Yes. I could right. put that hedge fund into a private placement variable life policy or something like that and improve the tax efficiency of it, or I could, just, I could let it earn its gross returns and then use the tax losses harvested elsewhere in the portfolio to get to keep more of that, turn that I illusory see. gain into a tangible gain, right? So right. It's, it's not just the index, because he's, he's going to give me the index, mm -hmm. right? He's not mm -hmm. trying to generate alpha mm -hmm. performance alpha. He's trying to generate tax alpha. Mm -hmm. But I, I hire other managers, these satellite managers, to actually try to generate alpha for me. And I'd like to keep it. If, I, if they earn it, I'd like to keep it. Right. Right, so and that's where the tax management can come into oh, play. Oh, so interesting. You know, your question hits on an interesting point. We don't. Nobody wants to build a portfolio that minimizes taxes. Mm -hmm. You want to maximize after-tax return. That's and that's, that's a crucial very difference. Good point. Because just lowering taxes, apart from maximize after-tax return, right. you can do it by just putting 100% municipal right. bonds, zero taxes. You're probably not going to get to your goals. You need to think about maximizing. So there are times to pay taxes. There are times to buy that or allocate to that satellite that has a high tax bite, but you have to maximize that after tax return. Yeah. It's important to realize you only have tax if you have a gain. Right. Right. So the objective is to get the it's gain. To get the gain. Or if you're <laughs> <income>. <laughs> right. Rule number one, get the gain. Right? right. And then rule number two, figure out how you can keep more of that gain, you know, as, it, as much of that gain as you can. Final question, each of you. We always ask our guests this at the end of every wealth track if there's one investment we should all have in a long-term diversified portfolio, what would it be? Regardless of their wealth size, everybody should have some level of passive or indexing in their portfolio. A, it's cheap. B, it gives them the exposure to the broad market like Brian's been emphasizing. And that, that's important. So you, they need to have that. Okay. If they have, if they're of, of wealthier, if they're high net worth clients and they have access to it, the markets, uh, I've, I think everybody should have some level of private investment in their portfolio as well. Private equity, private credit. Um, 
as we sit here today, I happen to think that's where the better opportunities are versus where the public markets are trading today. But regardless of that, from a tax efficiency perspective, those are very tax efficient because you, by definition, any of the gains are going to be long term just because of the structure of the deal. Brian. Yeah, Kinspil, I would uh, I'd answer with a portfolio structure idea, and we've talked about it, but I think it's the most fundamental and powerful thing people can do, and that is take a look at their portfolio and consider the core versus satellite structure. Mm-hmm. That allocation, separating out what you want to capture the market versus where you are seeking those excess returns. In doing that, you're going to, just by a fact of that, you're going to deal with risk, you're going to deal with costs, and you're going to deal with taxes all through that portfolio structure decision. Terrific. Thank you both so much for joining us in Wheel Street. Fascinating discussion and long overdue about tax efficiency and tax strategies. Thank you very much. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is maximize your after-tax returns. We all spend an extraordinary amount of time on getting capital gains. The real trick is keeping as much of them as possible. Langstrad and Welsh gave us some really good and basic tax management advice. I will certainly never look at a loss the same way. Especially in volatile or declining markets, tax loss harvesting can turn a negative into an asset to use in the future. I hope you can join us next week for a WealthTrack exclusive with award-winning unconstrained bond fund manager Dan Roberts, who will explain why this is anything but a Reagan bull market. To see this show again or any other previous WealthTrack episodes, just go to our website, WealthTrack.com. And for those of you reaching out to us on Facebook and Twitter, thank you, and we will respond. Have a great President's Day weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective, Rosalind P. Walter, and the Fairholme Foundation.